Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Greetings, listeners. I'm here today with Marisa Ferreira. Marisa Ferreira is the number one best-selling author of the book, Magnify Your Magnificence, Your Pathway to the Life and Relationships You Truly Desire. Her gift is helping others connect with their authentic selves. Marisa's passion is to empower others to create healthy boundaries and harmonious family relationships while being true to who they are. She's been a featured guest on a number of podcasts, blogs, and online magazines. Marisa, welcome to our show. I'm so glad to see you. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Marisa, there's a backstory to how you came upon this, and I'm hoping you can take us through the process of your own personal change and then how you came upon the formula of how you work with other people. Absolutely. The, the reason I'm, I'm so passionate about helping people with family relationships is because of my own past. I actually grew up in a home where I experienced a lot of trauma and abuse, uh, both physically and mentally, emotionally, uh, mostly at the hands of my father. Uh, being a first-generation Canadian, my parents were from Italy. Uh, there were a lot of you know, cultural differences in terms of child-rearing and what was considered acceptable or not acceptable, but it did leave me with a lot of wounds that really impacted me in my life, and I had a really difficult time having a close relationship with my father because I was terrified of him, and so I wanted to stay away from him. Um, even when I left home, I really wasn't um, really keen on going back for home visits. I made them as rare as possible, just the obligatory visits, you know, at Christmas and birthdays and, you know, different holidays, because it was a very stressful situation, never knowing, you know, when my father was going to explode. And I never, um, I didn't have a voice back then either. I was very shut down. And so I didn't know who I was. And so as I started along my own healing journey, because my life was not the way I wanted it to be, I wasn't happy, I wasn't feeling a connection with people because of, you know, feeling shut down. Um, I, there was a turning point in my life in my early 20s when I was seeing a counselor because of feeling so sad and alone and difficulty making friends and all of that. 
And what I recognized um, or came to, to become aware of during a session was that I was really disconnected from um, all my feelings. My uh, counselor had asked me, for example, you know, how do you feel when your roommates come home? Or how do you feel about this? Or how do you feel about that? And, and I was just completely numb. And that really terrified me because I realized that because I had shut myself down to avoid feeling pain, I also shut down the opportunity for me to experience uh, love, extending love and, and receiving love. And so that really took me on a journey of self-healing. And so over time, I learned how to deal with the wounds from the past uh, and come to a place of forgiveness and for my father. And it allowed me to reach a place where I became, you know, one of his primary caregivers during the last two months of his life. And that was from a place of true love and desire, not from obligation. And so as a result of that, and after seeing, you know, throughout my life, a lot of people who struggle with one or more family relationships, I thought, you know, I've really learned a way of how to, you know, use conflict as opportunities to heal and to see it as a gift and a catalyst for growth and for creating deeper connections, more meaningful relationships. And so I want to help others to do the same that wish to have that same experience. So let's talk about let's talk about that notion of forgiveness. Um, so sometimes mm -hmm. when we talk about forgiving somebody for um, for what they did, there is the implication that I'm doing this out of some sense of generosity. How do right. you make sense out of that process of forgiveness? Well, for me, I at first I didn't like the idea myself because I made it mean initially that if I forgave my father for the pain um, that he caused me, you know, through my childhood and the negative impact it had, you know, in my young adult life, then that would mean that I was condoning his behavior and basically saying it was okay. And, and I really struggled with that until I really came to understand that forgiving someone else was really uh, an act of self-love because without the forgiveness, I was carrying the anger or the resentment and the pain with me every day of my life, whether I was conscious of it or not. And by forgiving him, it was an opportunity for me to release and let that go. And what helped me was being able to reframe my past experiences and look at it from a completely different perspective than when I first experienced it as, as a young child or a young adolescent growing up you know, in that environment. So that made a huge impact for me when I was able to look at my father as a, a wounded child himself who never had the opportunity or the tools to heal from his own abuse because he also was abused as a child severely and passed that on. So I, it was much easier for me to forgive him when I looked at him as, as an innocent wounded child that really was doing the best that he could. So let's, let's take that theme um, and bring it home to the listeners. So how can somebody listening put this to use in their own life? Well, one of the, the things I, I, I tell my clients is to, again, take some time to really um, be still. Journaling can really help to really do some writing around this because it helps as we write. Um, deeper things will, re will uh, come to the surface and we'll be able to process them. But um, one thing that helped me was to find a, a picture of my father when he was younger 
um, the youngest photo he had when he was three, but uh, just finding a picture of a loved one that, that has caused you a lot of pain. If you have a picture of them as a child, or you can imagine them as a child and just understand that, you know, people that are hurting on the inside tend to project that hurt onto others. It's not really who they are. It's just who they've become because of their own pain and, and not being able to heal from their past. And so sometimes even if somebody, it may look like somebody's doing something intentional. And so sometimes people will say, you know, well, you know, that wasn't the best they could do. And I say, you know, people are doing the best that they can. I'll get that reaction from people. Well, no, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were being mean and this and that. But the truth of the matter is, even if somebody looks like they're doing something intentional, look deeper. Where's that really coming from? Because somebody that's filled with a lot of peace and joy and happiness inside of them, that's what they bring outside of them as well when they're communicating with others. And so the, the, the more hurtful somebody is towards you, the more pain they're experiencing on the inside. And that's where it's easier to be able to come to a place of compassion. Again, not to condone behavior, but to have a better understanding of it. So that once you reach that place of compassion, understanding that the person didn't wasn't capable for whatever reason, they just were not capable of giving you what you needed or treating you in, in more respectfully or more lovingly, then it's a lot easier to forgive, forgive them for that behavior when you can see the depth of who they are, not who they were acting as. Does that make sense? It, it definitely makes sense. Um, my question, I guess my question is, what about the stages that a person goes through in, in terms of their ability to forgive? Because there, there's definitely a stage of anger. And in that sure. anger, it's really hard to find that compassionate, um, angle, right. compassionate way of understanding the other person. So I mean, what do you make of the, the stages that a person goes through, or your own stages for that matter? Yeah, well, anger is definitely one. And I think it's really important to give yourself permission to feel the anger or feel the resentment or feel the rage. Because if we suppress that, because we tell ourselves that's not a good, you know, that's not a good thing to do, or, you know, some people that are on a conscious spiritual path feel that it's not spiritual to be angry. And so they have to be loving. And so they act as if they're loving when really they're just, they've got that anger festering inside. So it's really important to acknowledge whatever you're feeling, not make any of it wrong and allow yourself to feel the depth of the emotions. I mean, I, cried so much and screamed so much. And I, sometimes I thought I could just fill rivers uh, with my tears, but that's very healing. And it's a really important part of the process in, in being able to let go. And so once you've gone through that anger stage, you're much more, it's, it was just for me, that was the biggest step was really allowing myself to feel the anger because I had no space as a child to express any emotion. That would have been a very dangerous thing for me to express anger. So that was the last thing I would ever do. So giving myself that opportunity to, to express the rage and the anger. And sometimes it helps even to, you know, get a pillow and a plastic baseball bat and just really let it out physically, you know, just let it completely uh, release from your body on a physical level and through your voice. 
Um, and I, again, I did enough yelling when I was releasing that I got laryngitis. So that's okay. Just again, giving yourself permission and, and the self-love to, and, and your self-compassion to, to let yourself go through that. Because once that's released, it's, it's not inside of you anymore. And so it opens up that capacity to, to move into uh, the steps of, of more forgiveness and, and uh, letting go. So let's go through your experience and then figure out what this means to the listeners as well. But you, what you said was that um, that through this process that you you came to eventually um, be able to have a greater capacity mm-hmm. to form and maintain relationships. So let's let's talk about that, about how that part of it unfolded for you. Sure. A big part of that was learning to create boundaries, healthier boundaries with my father and to start speaking my truth because uh, otherwise, you know, things would just continue. And so it took time for me to have the courage to be able to speak up to him because, you know, he was a big man, you know, construction worker over six feet tall, you know, very muscular. So he's very intimidating on a physical level, but I did it gently. And, and it was through having heart to heart conversations with him, letting him know that, you know, I really wanted to have um, a greater relationship with him, taking that time to really have that conversation and say, and let him know when, you know, his voice would get raised or when he would act in certain ways, even towards my mom, where I felt like he wasn't being loving towards her um, to, to share from my heart and just say, you know, I would, it, it's really hard for me to be with you when, when I hear you you know, talking to, to mom in this way. And, and so then he would start to share from his heart and about some of his frustrations. And so it just opened up the space because I was communicating with him from a place of love and non-judgment, which is really hard to do when you still have your own pain, because when we're in pain and we haven't healed from it, we react to other people. It's very difficult to just respond from a neutral and loving space. So that's why it's so important to do the healing work first, because otherwise, when you start to have a conversation like that, if the other person doesn't respond in a way that feels good to you, you're just going to react back and it's going to create more conflict and and more pain for both of you. So it's really important um, before, you know, having that heart to heart conversation that that you know that you're in in a position to be able to stay in a peaceful space, even if, um, the other person is not being very nice to you. And, you know, it just had me think of, of, of an actual experience that happened for me when I was actually, I think, 40 or early 40s. Anyways, um, my the husband and I, we were we were we had been together for a couple of years and we had decided that we didn't want to get you know, legally married. We were going to have uh, what we call the love and commitment ceremony because we wanted to have a celebration um, with our friends and, and family close, you know, just a small celebration with a few people to celebrate our love for each other and our commitment, but we didn't want it to be uh, like a real wedding marriage because we'd been married before and it was like that didn't really have meaning for us. So when I was sharing this with my father, he was not happy about this at all. And he, you know, he, he basically started saying some pretty nasty things to me and kind of going up one side of me and down the other and he was being very very nasty and through the whole time I allowed him to vent because it was not affecting me because I'd done so much work by that point on my my own healing I knew he was just expressing his fear of you know if I'm not married I just 
you know, and anticipated what he might have or assumed what he might have been thinking as a father, right? If I don't get married, I'm not going to have the security. I might be on the street. I mean, who knows what he was thinking, but I knew he was in fear. And so as he was saying these really not so nice things to me, I was just projecting through my own thoughts and energy, a lot of love to him. And I was saying in my mind, it's okay, dad, everything's okay. I love you, dad. I know you're just afraid for me. Everything is fine. And at one point he verbally said to me, because I didn't respond, I didn't react. I just let him speak. And I was not hurt. I wasn't pretending not to be hurt. I really was not hurt. And I was not in fear. I felt very much in my power. And he said to me, you know, I don't want to hurt you, but and I looked him straight in the eye and I said, it's okay, dad, you can't hurt me anymore. And he was stunned. Like he was speechless. He didn't know what to say. And that was a real turning point in our relationship as well, because I was always the good girl, the one that always did what she was told. I was not the rebel. I never confronted my father in any way, shape or form growing up. And so for me to take that stand was very, very different in terms of my role, you know, in the family. I just never did that before. And afterwards, my um, husband said to me, well, we weren't married, like I said, but he said to me, you know, wow, he said, I've never seen your father like that. I, I, I was on the edge of my seat. I thought I was going to have to physically protect you. And I, I was surprised by that because I didn't feel that um, fear of my dad that he would lose his control. But here was someone that never seen him anything like that. because My father was always on his best behavior. And so, you know, that was me taking a stand and creating a boundary. It was like, you know, and I told them, you know, you don't have to come to the ceremony. I respect your, your decision. You need to do, you know, what's right for you. And I'm going to do what's right for me. And he just wasn't used to anyone speaking to him like that before. I would just either be quiet or people would rebel against him. So that was a, a real shift. Now, was that the first time that you had that real honest heart-to-heart -heart talk with him? I believe it was. It, it, and it's, it took me, you know, almost 20 years of doing work on myself because I avoided him for many years. Like I said, in my, you know, first early adult years when I left home, um, I didn't go home very often because I was just not, I didn't feel... I used to get migraines actually on the way home. It was a three hour drive and I would have migraines every time just with the stress of the not knowing, you know, if or when he was going to blow up and, and cause a scene. Um, but uh, that was, that was really something because I, I never, I never experienced a major blowout from him after that point. So what advice would you give somebody hearing this about holding that first conversation with their loved their abused abuser loved yes one, yes um who is expecting you to be a certain person and act in a certain way and you're showing up with this idea of a new sense of boundaries that that you want to establish that could be very fearful going into yes. that so what kind of advice could you give for the listener about that that's a great question and i i wouldn't advise waiting until a situation I didn't expect this situation to happen so it kind of caught me a little bit um, off guard because I, I I didn't know that was going to happen right but because again I had done the work I was able to, to I was okay with it but when I work with my clients I, I I support them and I know when they're ready to make that initial conversation so we take it step by step and I hold their hand through it so the first step is really reaching out 
um, verbally, you know, if possible, you know, on a call, not not a text, because texting people can misunderstand. They don't hear the the tone uh, in your voice, so they can make up things, you know, in terms of what your intention is. But to get on a phone with the person um, and to say to them, you know, really, when you're in that place from your heart, to be able to say, you know, I know we've really had some challenges, you know, in our relationship, and things haven't always been great. And or when we get together, you know, we tend to fight or whatever it is that's going on for them. Every situation is unique, but to just voice it, give it a voice and to say, I know this is what's been going on. And, and I really have a strong desire to have a better relationship with you. Is that something that you also would like to have with me? And if they are wanting that, then just say, you know, I'd love to get together with you and see how we can make this work. And so that's the first step. I wouldn't get into a lot of stuff over the phone. Uh, now, of course, if you're long distance away from each other, then I would guide people on how to have that next conversation. Set up a time when you can really have a lot of time, not 10 minutes, especially for the first time. You'll want at least a half an hour, maybe even an hour just to, to talk. Uh, but there's certain ways to go you know, slowly. But the, the important thing is to really allow the other person the space to be able to speak first. because they're not going, they'll have more space to hear you if you listen to them first, let them empty their cup and be able to hear what they have to say and validate and respond, not react. Even if you're in disagreement, you can still disagree with what somebody says, but there's ways to do that because the important thing is, is not pointing fingers and laying blame. Because when we do that, the other person will just get defensive. But when you can say things like, you know, well, when we're together and when, when I hear you say things like whatever it is to me, the feelings that come up for me are, you know, I feel like you don't love me or I feel like I'm not good enough or whatever it is, instead of you make me feel this way, because, you know, that kind of languaging is what causes conflict to escalate because people get very defensive and they say, no, I don't. And you go back and forth. And so it, it's a delicate dance. It's, it's not obviously something you, you know, I can, lay out the whole thing in a few minutes but the key is to create the space where everyone feels safe to be able to speak and to be heard and to not try to resolve everything in one conversation take it really slowly and start with um, things that are not as confronting start with the simple things uh, before you move into some of the bigger things but I think it but it's really important to, to be able to say what is not okay with you and to just say, you know, when it, it, I just want to be clear that if you're going to yell at me, for example, if that's something that goes on and that's not something that you appreciate and you want in your relationship, you can say, you know, my, my request is that you stop yelling. And if you don't, then I'm going to choose to leave or I'm going to end the conversation. And then you do. And, and you always give them another opportunity another time. Um, and, and there are times depending on the other person. And if they're still being very abusive, there are times when, um, it's important to have a, either a separation from the person or, or completely walk away from a relationship. And again, that's something that is not to be taken lightly, but the key in doing that, if that's what's healthiest for you is to be able to do it from a place of peace. So if you do have to walk away in order to take care of your own well-being, you're not walking away with anger or revenge or you know any of that in your space. Because if you do, then you will be carrying that with you throughout your life. Even if that person, the other per the abuser, is not in your life, they actually are. 
they're, they're in your life every moment of the day, whether you ever speak to them or see them or not. So the key is to make sure when you do let them go, they're gone from your energetic space as well. So they're not negatively impacting your life. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Can you give us an example from somebody who you've worked with? I actually haven't had anyone that's had, well, that's not true. I have, I had, did work with somebody who was in the middle of a uh, kind of a very nasty uh, child custody battle with an ex, um, uh, with a narcissist. And she at first was getting caught up in the uh, confrontation going back and forth. It was all in writing but there was always accusations and things going back and forth. And so what I was supporting her with was being able to communicate with facts, not she didn't have to react to things that were, were coming her way because that was like bait and she was biting the bait and she was getting hooked and hooked and hooked. And every time she got hooked, it would create a lot more stress and anxiety and anger within her. And so I was actually able to help her recognize that her ex was in a space where he was not capable of being any other way because narcissism is a, is a is a form of mental illness so this is somebody that's not capable they have challenges they're not capable of being in a different way even though they seem very mean or nasty that's the best that they can do and so again helping her shift her perception on what was going on and recognizing that she didn't have to defend herself letting go of that need to defend or, or having the other person see the truth about you because they might not be able to. And if we are dependent on somebody seeing us for who we are, or we are dependent on them treating us a certain way in order to feel good about who we are or to feel good about our lives, then we have no power and we're giving it away to that person. And so because we have no control, right, about what other people do or say, just how we how we are with the whole situation. And so I was able to really support her to come to a real place of peace where she never thought she ever would. She thought she was going to be miserable and unhappy for the rest of her life. And she found her, her true self, um, not who, again, who she was conditioned to believe or, um, you know, through that relationship that where she lost herself was very healing for her. Excellent. So Marisa, how can people get a hold of you and what is it that they, what are the reasons why people would get a hold of you? <laughs> well, let's start with why, why would they bother getting a hold of me? Um, I would encourage anyone who, who's struggling with like one or more family relationships that matter to them, or even if they think they don't want a relationship with somebody or they've already closed the door to a relationship, but they still, every time they think of the person, their blood starts to boil um, that's a real indication that there's still some healing to be done and an indication that even if they think this person's not affecting their lives, trust me, they are. <laughs> and they're affecting every relationship you have because our family relationships are our primary relationships. And whether we have good ones or bad ones, it's going to impact us, right? So anyone struggling in any way, if they want to find peace, uh, if they want to create healthier and happier relationships, uh, then they're welcome to um, get in touch with me at my website, which is magnifyyourmagnificence.com. And if they put a little slash and a free, free, the word free afterwards, there's a few gifts there that they're welcome to request. Um, I have a, a create healthy boundaries guide. I have a, a kind of a 10 steps on how to deal with conflict peacefully. 
Um, it kind of goes through step by step when something's happening, you would want to review it and kind of understand it each step before trying to use it. And if you're with somebody who's willing to use it with you, even better, um, because you can work through it, you know, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, and if somebody just wants to have a chat with me and see whether or not we'd be a good fit uh, to work together, they're welcome to just go to talkwithmarisa.com and schedule a complimentary call with me. Wonderful. The website one more time, Marisa? magnifyyourmagnificence.com. Wonderful. Marisa Ferreira, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.